This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Good evening. Welcome back everybody from holidays. Who was here last week? Okay, a few. Remember we had some homework and everybody was like, oh no. Who forgot? Come on, be honest. We'll pray for you. We'll lead you in a prayer of repentance. Who have you forgot what it was about? Who of you remembered that we're gonna, that we spoke about obedience and simple obedience? And we had two scriptures that you could, <laughs> that you could try out. One Thessalonians 5 and, uh, what was the other one? Trick question. <laughs> Philippians 4, that's good. Okay, so, so who have you tried it? For who was it easy? <laughs> it was difficult. <laughs> difficult to rejoice always in the Lord. Difficult to pray with, pray without ceasing. Who ceased while you were praying? Okay. Don't worry, we're gonna give it another go. We just repent and we'll do it again, okay? Okay, one, wonderful. Can we just close our eyes? Father, we just wanna thank you that you are such a good father. We thank you, Lord, that the good news is excellent. We thank you, Lord, that you love us more than we can ever imagine. We thank you, Lord, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And that we truly come to a revelation of that. Father, I pray that, uh, I pray that tonight's offering, our offering of worship, our offering of finances, and now our offering of our attention will be pleasing and acceptable to you, God. Not because of what we have done, but because of what Jesus has done. So we come right now and we present our bodies now as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto you because of Jesus. And this is our reasonable service unto you. Not extraordinary. It's radical. It's foundational. It's a reasonable service. When we think about it, when we think about what you have done, our natural response would be, I want to give my life to you, Jesus. I want to give my body as a living sacrifice. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. In the same breath, we don't want to be conformed to this world. We don't want to allow the world to pour us into its mold, shape us. But rather, we want to be transformed and completely changed by the renewing of our minds. Father, I pray tonight that as we, as we have worshipped and the truth that was in your worship, may that transform our minds. Father, I pray that the prayers that were prayed over people that committed them, recommitted themselves to God would be part of that process of just renewing our minds and seeing this transformed life taking place. And I pray now, God, as your word goes forth, I pray, God, that it will change our minds and it will transform our lives. So, Father, bless that offering. Bless the offerings of worship. And may we be a blessing to you as you delight yourself in us. In Jesus' name, amen.
okay, uh, I've got stuff on here, and then I've got stuff on the on the cell phone as well. Uh, just during the worship, the Lord just highlighted a couple of things. I'm just going to try and get that in there quickly. We were speaking about obedience the last couple of weeks. We've been speaking about obedience and the connection between love and obedience, and that the Bible is quite clear that if we a sign of our obedience and a proof of our obedience is when we of, of our love for God is when we do what He says. Not only it's not just a philosophical idea or just not a feeling or an intention that we have, but it's, our love is actually expressed, and obedience is an expression of our love for God. Amen. And uh, I think we somewhere we might have read the scripture verse in Hebrews five. Verse 8 that says, although he was a son, speaking of Jesus, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And and being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. So even Jesus, the son of God, had to learn obedience. In other words, we also said last time, I'm just doing a little bit of a recap, that Whether we obey or disobey, it is a decision. We have a will. God has graciously given us a free will so that we can decide. Therefore, He can hold us responsible for what we choose or what we do not choose. So even Jesus had to to learn to, to exercise His will in accordance to the will of the Father because He said, I say nothing unless I hear my Father saying it, and I do nothing unless I see my Father doing it. And in this way, Jesus lived as a son, but as a son, he had to learn obedience. He had to learn how to express this love that he had of the Father. And uh, in verse 7, if we jump one back, because we are going to talk about prayer a little bit tonight. It says in verse 7, in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Okay, so even Jesus, in the days of his flesh, even Jesus was the Son of God. He offered up, and uh, you say, with loud cries and with tears. So they, were, they weren't sort of form prayers. They were, they were truly prayers that came from his heart. It was as he was approaching his imminent death at the cross, he knew that the Father could save him. And in fact, in the... Uh, there's, a, there's another prayer that he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane where he really prayed and said, Father, is there any other way that we can do this? Can this cup pass me by? And obviously the answer was no, because he said, but not my will be done, but your will be done. So even Jesus prayed. Who wants to be like Jesus? It's not a trick question. Okay, so here's one of the things. If you want to be like Jesus, you've got to do like Jesus. Amen, because there's a lot of us that, that think that we automatically going to become like Jesus. You know, it will just, we, we give our hearts to Jesus and like a, a, a magic wand, it just happens that one day we emerge and we're exactly like Jesus. No, there's this process where we need to put to death the desires of the flesh. We need to deny ourselves. We need to pick up our cross and follow Jesus and do like Jesus to become like Jesus. And uh, who of you, okay, let me ask you this. Who do you think, who of you think that prayer is really important? 
Okay. That's about everyone that would put up their hands. The rest aren't going to put up your hand no matter what I say. I mean, you would just ask anyone, is prayer important? And everybody will tell you prayer is really important. In, who of you like revival? Who wants revival? Who of you know that there's been no revival without prayer? So if we want revival, there's something that God wants us to do that we engage and interact with Him in prayer. And so most Christians, uh, you will, most of you would have grown up with lees jou Bible, bid elke dag, want dit gee jou kracht. Who remembers that? Flashback from way back. Even Jada knows that one. <laughs> so everybody would agree that prayer is important. Okay, who of you agree that exercise is really important? Some of you realize I'm taking you somewhere. You're catching on and you're not putting up your hand because I'm not putting up my hand because I know the next question. Okay, here's the next question. How many of you actually exercise daily? Weekly? Monthly? Who's going to start next Monday? Definitely. I mean, everybody. It's about the same with prayer. If you speak to Christians by and large, they will tell you that prayer is really important. Okay, every eye closed and every head bowed. Who sucks at prayer? I see that hand. I see that hand. I see hands going up all over the place. Who of you struggle with prayer? That's good. Honest people. I think if we're honest, we can change. Now, who of you know that you can be taught to pray? Because this is, there's some of these myths that, uh, you know, prayer is for a select few. You know, it's for the guy that really has a call as an intercessor. And yes, sure that there are people that are called to that. But I want to tell you that prayer is one of those things that everybody is called to. And we can learn how to pray. Who of you have heard teachings about prayer? If you've been in church more than four months, you would have heard something. So it's not like we lack, it's not that we lack teaching on prayer. Who have you read books on prayer? To motivate you. I, I was busy with uh, Reese Howell's intercessor. Who have heard about Reese Howell's? He's a Welsh guy that the Lord used mightily in intercession. And I started reading his book because I really want to, it's an area that I really want to improve in. It's a real, really an area that I want to grow deeper. And I thought, okay, I'm going to read Reese Howell's intercessor. I got to the second chapter and I felt, Jan, are you even saved? It's like, you think you pray. You don't. I mean, this guy was just, I mean, he would just forsake everything and just realize, you know, that there's nothing, there's nothing else that matters that prayer. And the Lord gave him such accurate, and I was like, I want to be like ours. And the Lord said, okay, but are you willing to do what he did? Are you willing to make the sacrifices that he made to become the man that he became? And so I'm consistently asking the Lord, teach me how to pray. Teach me how to pray more effectively. 
Jesus in, in Luke chapter 11, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. So it seemed like it was common practice for people to be taught how to pray. Because they didn't just say, hey, Jesus, taught, teach us how to pray. Because they saw John taught his disciples how to pray. And Jesus was praying and they, they heard Jesus and say, Jesus, won't you just teach us how to pray like John told, taught his disciples? And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. You'll find the more, the longer version in Matthew chapter 6.33 but it's interesting that the first thing after worshiping, often declaring the holiness of Jesus and the holiness of the Father, like we sang this, 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 this evening so eloquently about holy, that God is holy. The first thing after worship, the first request, the first asking, see us, can do it, can no? Okay. The first thing that he asked was, let your kingdom come. And, it, and it, when, when we correlate this with Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom, where Jesus, when he told his disciples, you know, if you want to be my disciple, one of the things, you've got to seek the kingdom first. And it was one of the first requests, the first asking in the Lord's Prayer, what we now call the Lord's Prayer, but arguably the, the disciples' prayer. And he said, this is the first before we ask for daily bread, before we ask for ourselves, before we ask for the forgiveness of sins to cleanse ourselves, before we ask not to be led into temptation, but to be delivered from evil, before we ask for ourselves that our first cry should be first seek the kingdom. In other words, our first seeking and our first asking would be let your kingdom come and let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And what did Jesus say? What would, what would it look like if the kingdom is amongst us? The sick will be healed. The, the, the blind will see. The deaf will hear. The lame will walk. The gospel of this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the poor. Then you know. You will drive out demons. You will raise the dead. Then you know the kingdom is amongst you. Then you know that your prayer has been answered. Who of you, when you pray, really expect God to answer? Last week, we, I think in the morning service, we spoke about Shema, that uh, this notion of we, that, we, that we hear, but we, we, when we pray, we want God to Shema. We want God not only to hear our prayers, but we actually want God to act upon our prayers. We want God to do something. And so here was his disciples and Jesus, then Jesus goes on and he gives the attitude of persistent, that we need to be persistent in our prayer. Even if it's inconvenient, we need to push through. And most of you have heard this. And most of you have most probably tried really hard after that sermon. Anybody? And it went well for a while and then your, your willpower gave in. And then you prayed less and less. So it's, I'm not coming to you tonight and to browbeat you and to, to release another seven-step sermon, how to be a prayer warrior. 
I really want to, us to come to the very motivation, to the very heart of prayer, to the very the issue of prayer. Like, do we really think that God needs our requests? Since He knows exactly what we need, before we come and ask, Jesus makes it clear in Matthew chapter 6. He says, your Father knows already what you have need of. So, is the primary concern in prayer for God that, um, I don't know what's going on in Yopi's life, so, you know, if He's not telling me, I'm not going to know. No, God knows. But God has this deep, deep desire to have communion with you. God has this deep desire for you to share your life with Him. He wants to share His life with you. He wants to share His love. He wants to share His power. He wants to share His wisdom. He wants to share His provision. wants to share it with you. But He has this deep desire for you to commune with Him. He simply did not make humans as a little project and leave us alone and from a cosmic seat see how we struggle. In fact, He loved us so much that He became He became like us. What a humiliation for the creator of all creation to become creation, to become a man. And when He became the man, He did not become superman. He became the servant of all. And not only the servant of all, of all but then He also died the death of a cross that was reserved for the worst of the worst. And he was so interested in the affairs of men. He is so interested in our lives. He is so involved in our lives. And he wants communion and fellowship with us. That before the fall of man, before, before sin came, there was this place of communion and fellowship that Adam and Eve had with God in the cool of the day. And God loved it. I want to maybe, who of you have sometimes been told that you don't pray enough? Who have told yourself, you're not praying enough? You know, as if, as if the whole world is going to fail if you don't pray. Now, I'm not saying prayer is not important. But I do want to say, maybe you're not that important. And I want to bring us into a place that prayer is our privileged position with God. It's not our chore. It's not, you know, it's not a, it is a discipline, but God didn't design it to see if He can discipline us. God didn't design it so that He can see how faithful we can be, you know, and how amped we are and how committed we could be. God created prayer and God afforded us this privilege of of coming to Him and actually partaking of His divine nature. Listen what it says in Hebrews chapter 7. It speaks about Jesus. Consequently, He is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through Him, since He always lived to make intercession for them. Right at this moment... Right at this moment, Jesus is making intercession for you with the Father. He is making intercession for you. He is standing in that gap and He is bridging that gap and He's he's bringing you before the Father. Right now. And He never stops. 
So in essence, in heaven, at the right hand of the Father, there is an eternal prayer meeting going on. So we don't really start prayer meetings. We simply join. We simply dial in. We simply join, even as we worship. There is worship 24-7, not only in heaven, but there is worship 24-7 on the earth. Somewhere, even if we go to sleep tonight, somewhere there will be, in some tribe or tongue, somewhere in a nation, in the world, there will be worship that rises to Jesus. So we simply dial in. We simply dial in into this privileged position to listen in and to contribute, yes, to contribute to the conversation that the Father has with Jesus and Jesus has with the Father concerning you and concerning mankind and concerning the affairs of men. That is what He is, that is what he is inviting you in, into that kind of conversation. He says, come my son, come my daughter, come as you are, come, come boldly to the throne of grace, Come, approach, speak. What is on your heart? Make your request known to you. God wants to hear what's in your heart so that you can hear what's in your heart. It also says in Romans 8.34, it says, Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who is indeed interceding for us? Now, I don't have time enough to tell you the difference between prayer and intercession and supplication and petition and prayers of thanksgiving. I'm sure someone else will do that. No pressure, Eugene, and anyone that's preaching after this. Not only is Jesus, not only is Jesus living forever and at this moment interceding before for you before the Father, but listen to this in Romans chapter 8. If you're reading your Bibles, it'll most probably have a subheading, Romans chapter 8, a life in the Spirit. And he who searches, verse 27, and he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit. Capital letter, Holy Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Not only is Jesus interceding, where's the Holy Spirit? Come on, where's the Holy Spirit? He's in you, right? He's the indwelling spirit. So inside of you, prayer meeting going on. There's prayer meeting going on. And God is inviting you. Say, come, join the conversation. Come. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he also he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. If you go earlier in Romans chapter 8, it says that the Spirit helps us. Who of you sometimes don't know what to pray? I think most people can relate to that. So the Bible says that if we do not all pray as we ought to pray. In other words, we don't actually know how to pray and we actually don't know what to pray. What does it say? It says the Spirit, the Holy Spirit that is within you, groans within you with utterance that you can't even understand, but He groans and He intercedes for you. In other words, He stands in your place 
when you do not pray as you ought to pray. He stands in your place and he prays. He intercedes for you. There's something going on inside of you. I want you to understand this because it will liberate you. And I, I trust the Lord that it will give you an insight of what prayer truly is. Do you, do you truly believe that something spiritual happens when you pray? Or do you think that it's only like mouthing off of words or mouthing off of scriptures? Or do you truly believe that your prayers are incredibly not just important to God, but they have an effect? Not only is God bringing us into a privileged position that we can, that we can actually participate in this divine conversation between the Holy Spirit and Jesus and the Father. We are invited into this and we, and God says, come, come reason with me. Come speak to me. What you want to say is important to me. Even though I know it, I just want to hear what's in your heart. I want to say to you, if you are a father, you just love your children's stories. And sometimes the stories are horrible. And sometimes the stories are corny and cheesy. But you just love to hear what's on their heart. Jesus, and sometimes you wonder, where did they get that? You don't even know. And it, but as a father, it touches your heart. And you, and you don't go, look, scoot, scoot. As, as soon as you have something sensible to say, please come again. But none of that nonsense here. No, you just love even sometimes the stupid stuff they say. I remember a while back there was a, we were in a worship meeting and, and this little girl came forward and she was tugging her mom and she had a vision. And uh, so we asked her to share and she was sharing uh, that she saw like different animals. And then she saw, but I saw a lion and I saw a lamb, but the lion wasn't eating the lamb. And we realized that she saw that picture of the lion and the lion lying together. And she was explaining how beautiful the animals are. And, uh, and then we asked her, is there, is there anything else that Jesus is telling you? And she looked at her mom and she says, yes, he says my mom should give me a hundred rand. Okay. And most of us was like, blasphemy. But I want to tell you, I think, I think the father had a chuckle. I think the father broke out in laughter. I just love that. Give that girl a hundred rand. Don't give her a bells. Okay. So God is inviting us, this God of the universe, this God that made everything, is inviting you. He's inviting you, my son, my daughter, come. Come, I want to hear what's on your heart. I want to hear how you're experiencing life. I want to hear how you're vocal. What is your perspective on life? Come, I want I want you to share it with me and I want to share my wisdom with you. I want to share everything, the plans that I have for you. I want to lay them out. I want to roll them out. I want to, even if you're not asking, I'm going to raise up someone that has a prophetic anointing that would call you forward and say, the Lord has a word for you. And it's all of these ways that God wants fellowship and communion intimate with us. And this is prayer. This is what God is inviting us into. So I want to say to you tonight, and maybe liberated, that you are not commanded, but you are invited to pray. You know, Genesis 18, Abraham intercedes for Sodom, verse 22. So then the men 
turned from there and went towards Sodom, but Abram stood still before the Lord. Then Abram drew near and said, it's beautiful, Abram draw near. To where? He draw near to God. It's our first position of prayer. It's not shouting from afar, but as we engage God in prayer, we draw near. What does it say? What does the word promise us? If we draw near to God, what will happen? He will draw near to us. Beautiful, eh? And Abram drew near and said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are 50 with righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be that from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? It's almost like Abram is cheeky, eh? He's sort of browbeating God about this idea of destroying the righteous. God, you, you can't do that. Surely the judge the, will do what is just. And the Lord said, If I find at Sodom 50 righteous in the city, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Abram answered and said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord. I who am but dust and ashes. Suppose five of the 50 righteous are lacking. Will you destroy the whole city for a lack of five? And he said, God said, I will not destroy it if I find 45 there. Again, Abram, he spoke to him and said, Suppose 40 are around there. He answered, For the sake of 40, I will not do it. Then he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. I mean, he's, here is Abram negotiating with God. Really, he is. I mean, he's God's, who give me 45, 45, 45, 45, who give me 40, 40, 40, 40, who give me 45? It was like, he was playing auction with God. And God wasn't getting upset. God didn't go, like, who are you? I mean, you said 45. Be a man of your word. Let your yes be your no. Let your first number be the number. You know, God wasn't browbeating him. God said, come and speak to him. I love your heart. I love the fact that you are concerned for the righteous. And now, Abram goes for broke. He said, for this, okay. Then he said, O Lord, not, do not be angry and I will speak. Suppose 30 are found there. He said, I will not do it. If I find 30 there, he said, behold, I've undertaken to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 are found there. He answered, for the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. Then he said, oh Lord, let not the Lord be angry. And I will speak again, but this once. Suppose 10 are found there. He answered, for the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. And then he says in verse 33, and the Lord went his way. In other words, God said, okay, that's enough now. <laughs> he didn't say Abram went his way. I just wonder, I wonder at what number God would have stopped for a righteous man. I want to ask you, contending for the righteousness of men and women. I can't remember, Wendy and I in the car, we were discussing where we heard this. But we were in a session and somebody said, if all your prayers that you prayed this week would be answered, 
who would have gotten saved? Who would have gotten saved if all your prayers of this last week, God said, I'm just going to have, it's going to be open now, I'm going to answer every single prayer. Who would have gotten saved? And here was a man, he was Abram, he drew near to God, he's called the father of our faith, he drew near to God, and he was actually negotiating with God for the souls of men. This could be, and I know we do pray a lot for our own stuff. I know we do pray a lot for our own protection and that we will not be led into temptation but delivered from evil. And we do pray a lot for our provision, for our food and our money and our rent and our health. And there's nothing wrong with that. I I think we can pray for a lot of stuff. But when you are in the presence of God, and you draw near to God, you have the capacity to contend for the salvation of people. Don't just fall on the evangelists, but I want to encourage you that you can approach God. You. God is inviting you. He says, come, my son, come, my daughter. You don't have to have to done a, a prayer course. You, there's not a form. You can come as you are. Because of Jesus, come. What's on your heart? What's on your heart? I want to ask you. I'm not going to ask you to pray for yourself. But I am going to ask you for some homework. Because we do want to be doers of the word and not hearers. That you would contend in your prayers. For the souls of men. That you will contend before God. And say, God, in my res, in my strength. ask you can I ask you for the soul of ten people can I pray for that soul for the salvation for the healing for the restoration of someone else and contend not only for our own purposes not only our own desires but that we contend for the hearts and the souls of men and women And I want to encourage you to be cheeky with God. Not disrespectful. But be bold. It says, come boldly to the throne of grace. Come boldly. I maybe quickly want to go, how many minutes do I have left? Already gone. Five minutes. Okay, that'll be a quick five minutes. Okay, James chapter five, quickly. Is anyone, verse 13, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Who's suffering? No one. Okay. Don't pray. Okay. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. I want to encourage you. Go and lay hands on someone this week that's sick and pray. John Eldridge in one of his books says, we should get away from when people, uh, how many times have you sort of expressed a need to someone and uh, they say, uh, brother, sister, just because they forgot your name, um, I will pray for you. And you know, it ain't happening. (laughs) Who of you, come confession moment, 
Who of you have told people, they've shared their heart story with you, and you say, I'm going to pray for you. And when you see them again, she's like, oh, please don't ask me if I prayed for you because I'm a Christian and I'm not allowed to lie. So he says, instead of saying, I will pray for you, rather say, let's pray. Because prayer doesn't have to be half an hour. Prayer can be with your eyes open. Prayer can be very quickly. It says, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Okay, so not only is your prayers precious to God, but your prayers are powerful before God. Do you realize that your prayers are powerful. It's some translation says that the prayers, the effective, fervent prayers of the righteous makes great power available. Who of you sometimes feel that you lack power? It is most probably because of prayerlessness. And I don't mean to be nasty, but if I, if I read about the men and women of old that have been mightily used by God and moved in great power, you will always, always, without exception, see a great prayer life behind the scenes when nobody sees and the stage ministry is simply a reflection of what goes on backstage and what happens in the inner room. Elijah, it says, was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain and in three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. And it says here in verse 17 that Elijah was a man just like us. Some translation says a man of like passions. In other words, same kind of feelings, same kind of emotions, same kind of challenges, same kind of attitude. Say to the person next to you, you're like Elijah. I think the spirit of Elijah just came into the room. (laughs) It says here that Elijah was a man just like us. Who of you have read about Elijah's prayer life? I mean, the man called down fire. He destroyed the Baal, the Baal prophets through prayer. He was not a man that was afraid of kings to prophesy the will of the Lord. In fact, this whole that he speaks about there is in 1 Kings 18 verse 41 and Elijah said to Ahab go up eat and drink for there is the sound of the rushing of rain this is after it's been dry for for many years after Elijah himself had prophesied that there will be drought other prophets tried to prophesy rain nothing happened so Ahab went up to eat and to drink and Elijah went up to the mount to the top of Mount Carmel and he bowed himself down on the earth and he put his face between his knees. He's most probably doing Pilates if he's that flexible. But, and he said to his servant, go up now and look towards the sea. And he went up and he looked and he said, there's nothing. Who of you have prayed? And then there was nothing. Okay. And he said, go again. And it happened seven times. Seven times. Hey, I've just been praying my heart out here. My gut, my, my head's between my knees. I'm petitioning the Lord. I am a prophet of God. The Lord said it was going to rain. I'm proclaiming, I'm declaring a prophetic utterance of the Lord. And there is nothing. 
How many of you would have done it seven times? <laughs> Most of us, the resilient ones, make it up to five. You know, the number of grace. Number six is the number of man. I might be in the flesh here. And we most probably stop at five times. But here was a prophet of the Lord and he, and he kept on praying because he knew what God had promised. And he kept on praying and he kept on praying and he kept on praying. And the seventh time what happened, there was a mighty rainstorm. Uh, no, seven times. And at the seventh time he said, behold, a little cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. And I'm wondering if this helper was not getting sort of despondent on behalf of Elijah. And he said, ah, is that a cloud? It's the size of a man's hand. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to say, I saw a cloud. I saw a cloud the size of a man's hand. And what was Elijah's response? We better pray some more. And he said, that's it. That's my answer. And he said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down, lest the rain stop you. And in a little while, while the heavens grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain, and Ahab rode and went to Jezreel, and the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he gathered up his garment and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. There was something supernatural that happened to this old prophet that was praying on the top of the mountain, and Ahab had a head start to Jezreel, and he girded up his loins, and the Spirit of the Lord, some translations said, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Elijah, and he outran the chariots. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are like Elijah. You are like Elijah. I want to ask you, could it be that in the book of Malachi, it speaks about before the great day of the Lord, that the spirit of Elijah would be once again in the earth? Could it be that travailing prayer that says, God has said, therefore I will not stop until I see it. And even if I see a small sign, I'm going to see it as a great sign of rain coming. I want to encourage you this morning... Evening, I want to encourage you that you are invited into the very courts of God. You are invited by the King of Kings. You are invited by the Creator of all creation. And He's asking you, what's on your mind? What's in your heart? Come, come share it with me and I will share with you the plans that I have for you. I will share with you what is on my heart. I will give you the perseverance. I will grant you prophetic utterances. And I'm reminded that one of the things about Shofar Church is that it will be a prophetic voice. And even though it has been silenced a little bit, that, that the Lord is raising it up again. And I believe that it's part of the spirit of Elijah that we will once again believe the Lord for what He has promised for our town. What He has promised that, that when we reach out, when we tell people with this great gospel, of this great gospel, if we lay hands on the sick and the kingdom comes, as we pray as a first priority and a first demand, that He says, I'm going to answer your prayers. I'm going to answer your prayer. I want to ask you, Shofar Stellenbosch, are you ready for answered prayer?
Are you ready for answered prayer? Are you ready to approach the creator of creation as a love action and say, God, that you would, that you would want little old me to speak to you. The Father and the Holy Spirit is praying for me and inside of me according to the will of God. And there's something about to break. There's something about to be loose and maybe you're not even seeing. Maybe you're on your second try. Maybe you are, are praying for revival, but you've given up because there hasn't been experience. I want to encourage you this evening. Don't stop. I want to encourage you. Do it five times. Do it six times. Do it seven times. And if you see one sign, declare, this is the rain. And gird up your loins and be ready to move. Be ready to run with the gospel. Be ready to run with the gospel. Maybe you've run before and you've been disappointed. Well, pray. God, if God did it once, he said, you are just like Elijah. If somebody tells you you can't pray, I want to say to you, you are a person just like Elijah. I believe there is a call not only to you see, if you want to be prophetic, you've got to pray. Because you've got to spend time with God to hear what He says. You've got to be in His presence to see what He shows. You've got to spend time in His court. You've got to, you've got to approach that throne of grace with boldness. And He's inviting you. Say to the person next to you, He's speaking to you. Okay, now tell the person next to you, No, He's speaking to you. I truly believe that there's been prophecy after prophecy after prophecy about a spirit, about a fire breaking out on the southern tip of Africa, around about Cape Town area in the Western Cape, and it will spread forth like wildfire through Africa and cause a worldwide revival. Over for almost a hundred years now. More than 40, 50 prophecies prophesying exactly the same thing. I think God is looking for a generation that says, God, let us be the generation that sees that. But that will require that we will be like Elijah's, that will be willing to come before the Lord and say, Lord, that prophecy which you spoke, let us see it in our lifetime, God. We pray, we pray, we thank you, Lord, for every healing. We thank you, Lord, for every revive, for every... Uh, um, Salvation, we thank you, Lord, for every deliverance because it is a sign, the size of a man's hand in a clear blue desert sky that revival is coming. This, my friend, my beloved brother and sister, this is what God is inviting us into prayer. And you know what he says about the, our prayers in the spiritual he says in Revelations, in, in the book of Revelation, it says that the prayers of the saints are like incense. The prayers of the saints are like incense that is caught up and stored up in golden bowls. There are golden bowls in heaven for your prayers. There is golden bowls where your prayers is filling up filling up and filling up and filling up and we don't know the tipping point we don't know the tipping point but the word of God is clear that there's going to be a day 
when that's going to be lit up with fire from the altar and is going to be tipped over onto the earth. And the presence of God is going to fill the earth like the waters cover the sea. Your prayers are precious. Your prayers has the ability and holds great power. Contend, contend for the righteousness of men and women. Contend for moves of God. Contend, contend for healing deliverances as a sign the size of a man's hand in a clear blue desert sky that it will break out in revival. It will break out in our town. It will break out in our valleys. And as you go on holidays, you will not just go on holidays and come back, but you will take this revival fire wherever you go. It's all right. You can contain your excitement. Or you can or you can decide to have meetings forever. God's calling. God's calling. Who's who wants to be that Elijah? Who wants to be that one that says, God, I'm gonna pray until I see it. And if I don't see it now, I'm just gonna keep on praying, God. Come if that's you, just stand to you. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.